Welcome back to another episode of Left Inside, a weekly podcast offering a critical look at news, politics and culture from a left perspective. My name is Jessie Kelly. I am back again as host for this week and I am joined by Dave Murphy. Hello. And we have Paul Murphy back from his absence from the podcast. Welcome back, Paul. Thanks a lot. I've enjoyed my podcast all day. <laughs> so you have. Um, and we have another repeat guest on the podcast again today. We have Saoirse McHugh. Welcome on to Left Inside once again. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Um, so yeah, this week is going to be our last ever um, Left Inside news panel because we are going to be relaunching in the next two weeks. So keep your eyes out for that. Um, Tell them the name. We're doing the name, aren't we? We're going to have sneak, them, sneak preview. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, I wasn't going to, but now Paul has pressured me into letting everyone into the sneak preview give of the name. the wrong name. We are going Never to be <laughs> rebranding as Rupture Radio, um, which is in line with the new magazine that we're producing called Rupture. And also we think it just gives a better brand to the podcast. Um we want to be keep going after lockdown, like we said, um, in different things before when we did the uh, fundraiser and stuff like that. So Rupture Radio is going to be the new name of the podcast. So, yeah, keep your eyes out. We're going to have a relaunch in two weeks time. So, yeah, this week, though, uh, we are going to be discussing a few different things. Um, we are going to be discussing the new waste action plan that the Greens have introduced um, and the government at the moment. We're going to be talking about uh, Saoirse's departure from the Greens and what you're up to now and why that happened and what's all going on there. Um, and we're also going to be talking about what is next for the environmental movement in general and what are we going to do in terms of saving the planet. So just a few um, small topics for today, if that's all right, <laughs> everyone. Um, okay, so yeah, we're going to start off with the um, new... Uh, waste action plan that was introduced this week um it's not fully completed yet from what i've read and stuff like that but a few things have come out of it um there's been a lot of criticism of it online i've seen on twitter a lot of people saying that this action plan kind of is hurting you know those that are most vulnerable in society a lot of people saying that it's not the case um yeah what do people think any first initial thoughts well, my very first thought is that, and I like I did it myself, is that this is the government's plan. Like I found myself kind of saying, oh yeah, it's the Greens, it's the Greens, but it is the government's plan. Um, mm. And and this is one of the things I was really afraid of with the Greens going in, is that they will be just made take the flack for unpopular things um, that really, you know, had a heavy Fine Gael influence on them mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the greens definitely as you could just, you could see on twitter by the the reaction and the whole like you know when that article about the waste action plan came out the greens are horribly outgunned in comms and in dealing with it like i even saw a few reps mm -hmm. rowing in trying to defend themselves trying to defend the plan and once you're doing that you're you, you know you've you've lost i think um mm -hmm. And I like I do think that the the article that came out, you know, it it was a bit misleading, but I didn't think that a lot of the response that came out from the Greens, which was, well, have you read the plan, was quite the gotcha. Mm -hmm. I think they thought it was because nobody is like the majority of people are going to see that headline and going to take that headline. 
Yeah. And they're going to see a snazzy video on Facebook about it, giving out about it. And like, I'm just so afraid of the damage being done to environmentalism by mm-hmm. poor plans coupled with really poor communication. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, two of the or two of the biggest policies in it that are causing concern for people are the potential banning of buy one get one free deals in supermarkets, and also um, the potential of for like levies or fines on um, people not separating their bins properly or whatever in terms of recycling and compost and stuff like that. And there was also uh, possible levies being introduced for fast fashion um, and stuff like that, and people over consuming fashion. Whatever. So these are the Things that, like you were saying, probably were badly communicated, but also, um, like I, in my opinion, yeah, I, I think like the priorities are in the wrong place here with this plan. You know, like I think this, that's why people are mad about. In the in the plan itself, um, I mean, in terms of the multi buy stuff, what it says is we will work with retailers to end the sale of multi buy packs to prevent overbuying by consumers, and on the fast fashion stuff. It says something kind of similarly vague about um, like reducing the amount of fast fashion or whatever. And it, it was reported in the Irish Times as going to ban multi-use, multi-buy packs and that we're going to tax fast fashion. And some of the Greens out defending it were like, well, no, that's, that's not actually in the plan. And that's tr- it's true that like it's not actually in the plan. Um, but I think... I think it's probably the case that the Irish Times didn't pick it up from nowhere. The idea that, like, well, they'll go for taxation in terms of, say, fast fashion, or and that would just go for an outright ban on multi-buy packets or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, again, people giving people's experience of, like, the Greens, but also Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, um, the idea that they're going to load stuff on that, you know, hits lower income people hardest people who rely on um buying multi-packs of food and mm-hmm. it, it did so somewhere it was either on twitter or in the plan should should know that and um, somewhere someone's like oh we'll make sure that people i think it is in the plan it's like we'll make sure that people who rely on multi-buy you know multi-packed stuff um for feeding their families don't lose out as a result of that but like is that anyone's expectation? Is that anyone's real experience that people will actually be protected? Of course, mm-hmm. it's not. So I think people, you know, saw that and think, yeah, this is like in line with, it's kind of the Fine Gael idea of environmentalism. Like you just look at the last possible point. You look at the consumer at the end and kind of blame them as opposed to all the stuff that went on, which is terrible in terms of like fast fashion in particular, but all the stuff went on in a systemic way before you get to the final point and then you kind of it probably loaded onto the consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, what's oh, sorry, what's in the the plan? If you, if you read the Irish Times article, there's quotes from a guy called Philip Nugent, who's the Assistant Secretary in Eamon Ryan's department. And like, there's good stuff in it. Like, there's the banning of like some a, a lot of like single use stuff and trying to move away from from that angle. But then, if if you read his comments, like, um, they're talking about using economic instruments to affect um like mm-hmm. environmental change. The idea that we should um buy uh buy quality rather than quantity, which I mean that's all like good. Like, but then, um, you know quality clothes that last you a long time like generally 
you know, uh, cost quite a lot. So instead of having like five jumpers for whatever price, you'll have like one jumper that you're not going to wear every day, you know, like mm-hmm. every day for, for, the, for that price. But I think the guy's comments around like economic measures point towards like the sort of like neoliberal uh, ideology behind it that like for environmental change and to change people's habits rather than education and bringing people along with you that you use like sticks like economic sticks to try and like force people um to make changes and i think there's like a history of these type of policies where it's like good intention but then like an epic like it's good intention to try and make like this change or that change but the model that's used in terms of like a taxation model um just actually affects the people at the lower end of the scale and mm-hmm. that's like the battle in terms of like bringing people with us in terms of environmental change but i think that's the thing as well it's like the priorities of this action plan like a lot of it is like just placed in the wrong area like it's like it's not even like founded that these like you know working class people who are buying say like uh deals in supermarkets or kind of like fast fashion clothes it's like not even proven that they're causing a huge amount of waste and stuff like that like they cited this figure um it was a spokesperson from Eamon Ryan's office said that 30% of all food waste comes from buy one get one free deals and kind of like multi-pack deals like this um and I literally I just google searched it today um they obviously did not put any amount of research into it at all two things came up which was one the report where the figure came from um and then two was um a report by the British Retail um consortium or whatever the BRC um and they've disproved the study so basically the study was like 30% of people who were surveyed in the study said that they waste food from using buy one get one free deals or whatever but actually in the two years that they conducted the survey on the people only four percent of those surveyed wasted food from buy one get one free deals or whatever so it was just like a bogus figure picked out of nowhere as well which makes you think that like you know like why put the priority of fighting climate change on consumer everyday individuals rather than actually where it should be which is on the big corporations it was what released there the other day 20 companies who are um responsible for a third of all global emissions you know so like you kind of just like you could argue about the like minuscule or details of like the plan itself and like you know where it should be and d- different things or whatever but it's kind of just like missing the point in general do you know what i mean it's kind of just like totally looking in the wrong direction for where we should be in terms of climate change i i did see someone i can't remember where it was say that if the ban on on two for one deals hmm was if the va- if the ban was saying anything that the supermarket was selling for two for one they had to sell at half the price mm-hmm. um i think that'd be a really positive step actually mm-hmm. now that's the way what, it is in the u.s yeah in the u.s you can go into a supermarket and you can see you buy like buy two get one free and then you can just buy one and you get it with a third of the price off like it's weird but you can yeah. you can do it and it, and seems it makes to be sense mm-hmm. um but like this, and I've spoken to other, to to Greens about this since. I'm like, yeah, but it's a Fine Gael government. Do we believe that that's what mm-hmm. will happen? And then you know, especially when it comes to food waste, I th- I think like the food has to go somewhere, which is the thing. And while we're still having production subsidies that are driving overproduction, like the food is mm-hmm. still produced. So whether it's wasted on a two for mm-hmm. one sale yeah. or whether it's mm-hmm. wasted just because it's just dumped, which is what mm-hmm. happens. Um. 
you know, if we're still like the producing is what causes the environmental harm, not where it ends up. Yeah. Um, and then on the on the, the clothes. So in the article, I thought was really interesting. The spokesperson quoted cheap clothes, which is mm-hmm. not the exact mm-hmm. same as fast fashion. And then there was this whole thing on Twitter where people were acting like mm-hmm. these aren't owned like pennies isn't owned by massive conglomerates that own. They own BTs as well, don't they? Mm-hmm. Is it? I think so. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But like, you know, these these are not just standalone shops. Like everything, there's been massive um, consolidation of these companies over the last 30 years. And like, we desperately do need to tackle fast fashion and a huge amount of clothes are dumped or burned or dumped or incinerated. Mm-hmm. Um, but this constant fixation on levies because like, yes, the corporations should deal with it, but they should just not be allowed to produce as much because there's no way... Like I look at these massive corporations and there's no way that they don't buffer themselves with workers and they don't yeah. buffer themselves with people. Like if you look at Amazon, there's no way to get at Jeff Bezos. Um, it'll be, you know, workers first. Like I just, I was just retweeting something in a, about uh, that mass I put up about boycott of Voca, and someone quote tweeted my tweet saying, oh, I'm sure the workers who work there will be happy to hear it. And I'm like, yes, and this is why we don't need to save industries. We need to save workers because, Mm -hmm. you know, if you look at coal mines, it's not the coal mine owner who's down digging in pits, you know, Mm -hmm. and the this fixation on levies, because it is such a it is so easy to be passed down. um, It it will just it will always end up hurting you know, the people at the very end of the the product's lifespan, the consumer, rather than, mm-hmm. you know, a different method which could actually tackle the corporate and just ban- just stop them, just stop them doing it. Because fast fashion is a huge problem. And I, I also yeah. didn't like, there was a creeping kind of layer on Twitter where people were acting like pennies was some sort of pro-poor, magnanimous, like, I'm mm-hmm. a, I like, That's we true. would love to charge more for our clothes, but we just love poor people. And I'm like, okay, yeah. pennies, Primark are massive. They don't pay their workers in Bangladesh. Like, they can also get in the sea. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, they're and- doing it for profit, not out of the goodness of their heart. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. But I think that's the point. Like, they, they it's exactly as Sirsha says that, like, they're only looking at consumption. It's the only thing they consider is like everything else is just taken as a given. There's mm-hmm. nothing you can do further back up the chain. The only thing that you can do is here. So, like, you know, the basic idea in the waste action plan is like a circular economy and like we use a lot less raw material and we have a lot lot less waste that's like a good thing absolutely but like you need to look at production if you're going to actually achieve that so like you know a big thing you know in terms of technology is built-in obsolescence that like you buy your phone and you know that even if your phone is perfectly good and it can do the job of a phone in two years time, you can't get your phone replaced. It costs you more to get, or sorry, you can't get your phone repaired. It costs you more to get it repaired than to get a new one. Mm-hmm. It begins to slow down, begins to, you know, there was a report which even showed that the phones like deliberately slow down after a couple of years so that you have to buy a, a new phone. And that's like really crazy in terms of the rare earth and the you know raw materials that are inside a phone. But in a way, in terms of fast fashion, there's also like a built-in obsolescence in the sense of it's like a cultural obsolescence, like that like the next range is out and you have to buy the latest thing, as opposed to like if you had things that were produced to last and kind of culturally to last and that people aren't sold this idea that you need to go out and buy a whole like a new range of summer clothes 
or a new range of autumn clothes or you know what I mean like four times a year you buy new clothes if it's sold in a different way and then it's also made in a way that's quality um well then people's behavior would change mm-hmm. around that it's not some inherent thing do you know what I mean exactly, humanity yeah. whatever number of years ago wasn't they weren't like you know buying new clothes it's a, it's a created demand by capitalism and by the likes of pennies but also by the likes of like further up the chain you can pay more and you can still engage in the same Mm -hmm. uh, process of like replacing your clothes every season or whatever yeah and that's the thing like i was thinking i was reading the whole twitter thread that the green councillor carolyn moore put up um and like a lot of it was very interesting and stuff like that and obviously she has a lot of experience with this like uh whole industry but as i was reading it it was like if you'd like didn't know what you were reading about it was like you could have been reading about capitalism like do you know what I mean she could have been describing capitalism but she was describing the fast fashion industry but like what was it like um and yes poor labor and environmental practices are endemic in the supply chains of such retailers you know and stuff like that and she was kind of like talking about it it's like yes because fast fashion industry is a byproduct of capitalism do you know and like to say that it just exists we can't really do anything about it except that we must stop buying from them and they just keep producing and then it's our responsibility to stop buying from them you know that like it's like you know not zooming out and looking at the bigger picture and like you're saying Paul I think it's like we've been conditioned from a very young age like to you know build our own identities around what we buy and mm-hmm. you know, what we wear and how we look and you know what I mean um and like for those people who are like the poorest in our society the people who are working class and like the people who are struggling to get by day to day um you're like you're like taught to if you buy something you'll feel a bit better you know you get that little rush of excitement when Mm -hmm. you buy something new you get a new top and you wear it out and you're like delighted um (laughs) and yeah like i'm like i try not to be myself do you know what i mean but i I still am when i buy something new i'm like ooh, and it literally lasts for like 0.5 seconds and then you're like oh shit no wait I have to pay rent. Oh God. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh fuck, I shouldn't have bought that. Um, and it's like, it, like, and Carolyn uh, says it in the, the whole Twitter thread. Like she said, it's an addiction for people and we have to like curb this addiction or whatever. And like, if you apply that analogy to it, like imagine someone who's like an alcoholic or something and like mm-hmm. punishing them every time they like fell off the bandwagon or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not the way we, you should treat people who have addictions to stuff. Like we are all addicted to capitalism. We are all addicted to consumerism. Like, we shouldn't be punished for that. We should all be helping each other get past it. You know what I mean? And the first step in that is, like, stopping these companies from having so much power. You know? That yeah. should be number one on the action plan or whatever, you know? Because the first thing they'll do as well, like, there is, I think environmentalism is constantly going to come up against the, what about the workers? Mm-hmm. Like, so even if you said to whatever, some big clothing company, you can't produce you know, six seasons of clothes a year, you can Mm -hmm. have a maximum stock and there's a dead stock levy on everything you burn or everything you you get rid of. The very first thing they'd say is like, oh, but all the retail staff we have to let go. Now look Mm -hmm. what you have done. Like (laughs) the sun were talking, the the sun had this after um, XOR stopped their the newspapers going in they were like we have yeah. to let go of the paper boys <laughs> like, yeah that was hilarious <laughs> yeah but what did they do on sunday you know <laughs> <laughs> but you know and it, it's kind of funny but it, it, it is constant like i've talked to people about airlines and how they need to stop and people are like yeah but what about the workers mm-hmm, and i'm like mm-hmm. yes and we shouldn't allow these companies to hold workers lives ransom over totally. it um and so uh, it will have you know 
restricting what these companies can produce will have to come alongside like really robust workers rights and it's like right four day weeks that's what you're going to do mm-hmm. um yeah because like they will happily use that as a stick to beat environmentalism again and again and they do and, they and, the, and the other thing is the, is the you know as part a core part of a just transition is a guaranteed alternative job for people whose industries are either phased out entirely or scaled down. You know, the, the number of people who are going to be involved in flying aircrafts in a future eco-socialist society is, is less than currently. That's, that's a fact. Um, I would argue very strongly that nobody will be involved in uh, the nuclear industry. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what I mean? The coal industry, fossil fuel industry. There's industries that won't exist anymore. But that isn't to say that those workers are then on the scrappy. Well, no, those workers then should have like guaranteed at least equal conditions and pay and probably better than they currently have doing meaningful productive uh, work and that's the point of like a green jobs program there's a huge amount of work to be done in terms of electrifying our economy in terms of investment in renewable energy in terms of care jobs um, and then exactly as Sirsa says like a four-day week without loss of pay for people in those industries where like well there's less people involved mm-hmm. um, but also I think that thing about like consumption and the kind of consumption that exists you know it, there, there is a need for like a shift in people's attitudes but that doesn't happen from some individual thing that's a societal thing changing society yeah. that then shapes people's attitudes there's a thing that that michael lowey says in the, in the i was going to say the latest edition of rupture but in the first edition of rupture <laughs> first and only edition of rupture i'll just give a give a quote um it's a really good article about degrowth and he says the issue is not excessive consumption in the abstract but the prevalent type of consumption based as it is, this is within capitalism, on conspicuous acquisition, massive waste, mercantile alienation, obsessive accumulation of goods, and the compulsive purchase of pseudo-novelties imposed by fashion. Like the extent to which like advertising exists to create new and kind of false or artificial demands under capitalism that actually aren't necessary and they don't provide people you know, without making uh, making a moral judgment about it, but don't provide people with like a long lasting satisfaction with their lives in the way that like other pursuits potentially can. It's like those no, memes you see online of like you know the free market will provide these necessities, and it's like a I saw one the other day, it's like a couch, but it was Garfield as a couch, <laughs> and it was like <laughs> yes, this is like the genius of capitalism at work. The free market will provide these amazing things we need. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I saw another one, which was a picture of yeah, capitalism innovation. It was just like all these different types of coke. Oh yeah. Just the same. <laughs> like, but but like um, part of the argument on like, well, like I have to say, it was a revelation to me the difference between fast fashion and cheap clothes. That's outlined that uh, that councillor was speaking. I had an article on the journal, like, and this mm-hmm. this idea of new seasons, you know, and, and I just had the, the two of them as one. But like on this idea of Do you jobs, get new clothes every season, Dave? <laughs> well, I I also read a statistic as part of it that people buy like fifty seven garments That's a year. Mad. And I was like <laughs> <laughs> Do I own <laughs> Do I'm I sorry, own like, fifty seven pieces of clothes, including socks? <laughs> That seems um, who are these people buying uh, at least fifty seven pieces of new clothes? Like I don't <laughs> But yeah. but like I think like as part of this thing on jobs then, like part of the argument is well, like if you people say, well, look at these cl- these clothes are produced say in Bangladesh, and therefore by banning them, you're you're affecting all these poor workers over there. And it's like you know, well, it's it's like you have a duty to buy them to you know create these jobs. But I think mm-hmm. like if you look at conditions in these places, um, like I think 
a few years, there was a major fires and there was like um, tens or hundreds. The Rana Plaza. Exactly, yeah. Plaza. I, I think we, when Paul was in the European Parliament, yeah. we raised it and we ended up on the front page of the Times of India um, at the time. Like, you know, they, uh, because I think like there was like the, the deaths there like, and it's like, well, like, is there no other productive industry that could be created? Like, like this idea mm-hmm. of further down the line for like, for uh, people in like countries like India instead of having them working in like these places that are obviously like fire traps. Yeah. Well, like the thing is like your average individual consumer in Ireland like cannot have any control over how working conditions are for people who work in fast fashion in Bangladesh or wherever, you know, like Mm -hmm. we it's 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 like again, like what you were saying, Sir it's like piling on the guilt, you know, on individuals. And like I know like so many people who are like just like this existential dread constantly like okay so I have to go to the charity shop today or whatever to get this thing or whatever and I can't get that because of this and like it's just like another thing to add on to it or whatever where actually in reality one person individually can't really do anything yes you can change your lifestyle habits you know and try to do your little bit or whatever but it's not going to bring uh emissions to zero by 2030 do you know what I mean like if like the companies that are doing this, you know, they're the ones that have the control over it. They're the ones that have the power. And like, we should be looking to them first, you know, like it just, and like, again, with the whole job thing, like that kind of idea that like, oh, but this is going to bring jobs or whatever, or this, you're going to lose jobs if you do this, whatever. They do that all the time with, um, you know, like Apple, Google, Amazon or whatever, mm-hmm. all the investment in Ireland. Like it, I've many times I've had conversations with people, and it's like <clears throat> they owe us seventeen billion in tax, Apple, or whatever, and people are like, yeah, but the jobs, and it's like we can create jobs ourselves with that seventeen billion. Like, do you know what I mean? It's it's crazy. Like, um, and I was reading up today about the data centers and everything like that. So these are these massive plants, um, that are just like full of big supercomputers, and they kind of they were the basically the largest in. Europe um, for data centers in Ireland. So at the moment, there's 53 of them um, and they're like huge, huge things. They take up massive amount of space, even just in general, like physically. There's, there's one just down the road from where I live. It's like a monstrosity. It's like, yeah, so it's gross. Like, Amazon yeah. <laughs> like Google apparently has, um, I don't know, like, is it worse or better? They paint like these like colorful murals on the side of them. <laughs> I feel like it's really like, don't bother. yeah, really black mirror type shit. I don't know. It's really gross. But, um, but basically, yeah, there's 20 more being built currently and there's 12 more that have planning permission. Um, so what is it? I was reading this. They're going to be investing up to 10 billion euro by 2022 into these plants. Um, this is all happening while they release this action plan, action plan. Do you know what I mean? Like this is happening simultaneously. Um, the Irish Academy of Engineering did a report um, which said that these data centres are going to equate to 1.5 million tonnes of carbon emissions added on to what we're already producing in Ireland by 2030. Um, and this counts for 13% of all electricity in Ireland um, just for these data centres. or That's 13% of electricity emissions, but 30% of our entire electricity usage, which is just insane. Like... Um, and yeah, we're just like not stopping at all, just plowing ahead with it. And all the water you, they use as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like uh, they have the cooling and stuff like that as well. So they have to be like air conditioned 24 7 and stuff like that. And like it's just mad. And like no one really knows about these things happening, you know, and get all the focus put on the consumer. And you know, what you're, if you're not recycling, you're going to be fine. Do you know what I mean? It's like, what's the fucking point if these things are just like, there's what? It's 53? There's like going to be like 
30 more, it's mad. And I think it's like, it's also part of the dynamic of the Greens being in coalition with Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. Let's say the Greens had a program which was included like really good stuff, like no more data centers um, and no further licenses for any fossil fuels, keep fossil fuels in the ground, and massive investment in renewable energy, right? Let's say they had those really good things. And then they also had some stuff which is more, you know, bad targeting of um, consumers in a way that will disproportionately hit working class people. So let's say they have this other stuff as well, you know, like let's hit multi-pack and let's go for quote unquote cheap clothes. Like what will happen in that scenario? And that's what's happening is Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil will be like, yeah, we see your plan. Interesting. Yeah. No, you can't do the, like, you can't stop the data centers. You can't stop fossil fuels. The taxation on the poor? Yeah, no problem. Come on, go ahead. Like that's that's the dynamic. Like so, then the only stuff they're ever going to be associated with is the stuff that Finnegale already agrees with. And Finnegale will be like, "Oh, here we're giving you this thing." And then, like, presumably internally in Finnegale, Eamon Ryan will be like, "Well, we didn't get not that they're even looking for that as good stuff as that, <laughs> but the more far-reaching stuff they're looking for, they're not going to get. But then they're going to give them the stuff that like." Is, is the most damaging in terms of popularity of the Greens and the environmental movement generally. And like, yeah. Yeah. The, um, even though, like, I have I have spoken about data centres to a few different people and even with data centres being the topic of conversation, people still are like, well, what about the jobs? And I'm like, oh, Jesus. There's not fucking yeah. that many There's of them. There's no jobs. There's <laughs> really these, not. Like... These people have this idea that, like, if foreign direct investment left, we'd all just sit around looking at each other until we slowly starve to death. And just like, <laughs> we're like, oh, we need some sweet, sweet FDI. Like, like, yeah, yeah. Do, they, do they think we'd just all be like, oh, there's no jobs anymore? And like, like, yeah, yeah. The helplessness is mind boggling. Mm -hmm. So if you take the example of the, the Amazon just down the road for me on the Belgard Road in Tala, that used to be the Jacob's Biscuit factory where many hundreds of workers worked they were unionized workers with presumably reasonably decent terms and conditions and now it's this like soulless what looks like a prison from the future mm -hmm. um where almost nobody works i mean it doesn't take very many people to run a um a data center that's the truth there's work there's construction work in the creation of it and a lot of energy in the creation of it and then there's a huge amount of energy in the running of it but very very few jobs so this just goes to show like what a kind of like they just wheel out the argument about jobs regardless of whether there's any truth in it whatsoever yeah totally and speaking about jobs the effect is often kind of maybe not immediate like i was just talking to someone recently who said oh there's new Lidl in Belmullet, I think, or Aldi or something like that. And those shops run on like a set. They have like a a, mm -hmm. a formula they run out. I think it's they have 13 yeah. staff. Um, and the woman goes to me, load new jobs. And I was like, well, 13 new jobs. And we'll see in uh, in five years what it's done to the center of the town. And she's like, well, how do you mean? There'll be people coming from Ballycastle. And I was like, yeah. And they won't go into the town. They'll go to Lidl. Yeah. And she it hadn't even thought of that. I said... I said in five years, let's see, and I bet you there'll be forty jobs gone in Belmullet from mm -hmm. the from the the inside of the from the town, like. Um, but it's less immediate, like effects like that. People don't. It's it's not as easy to see as if like if you know if so say if pennies shut down, you'd see all those jobs gone, but you don't see the slow drip drop of like small clothing mm -hmm. shops that have closed down over the years since the pennies and the Zara's and the top shops have moved in. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so it's never yeah. even even when they are talking about like an actual loss of jobs, like, you know, a clothing shop shutting down. It's never just as simple as that. Like they've usually taken jobs from other places as well. Yeah. And like also like obviously that's going to be getting worse now with the pandemic. We've already seen a lot of like small businesses close and stuff like that. But also, what's the point of creating new jobs if you're not going to pay workers a living wage? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? So the, the Greens voted that down um, in the doll. So like, do you know, it's the exact same Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil politics, really. Um, which maybe answers my next question, Saoirse, about why you left. <laughs> maybe we've we've answered it already in what we've been talking about. Um, but yeah, I can imagine it was a difficult decision. You know, you've been in the organisation for a while, everything like that. Um but like in my opinion, it, the right decision because of you know where they do seem to be going and where they do seem to be heading. Um, so how has it been since you've left? And yeah, what well, are your thoughts been? I suppose I had thought of leaving several times before, um, and I think in my heart and soul, you know, I was never one hundred percent like I believe that this is the way for like I always kind of felt like oh yeah I, mm-hmm. I suppose I'm you know I'm here I can see w- that there's a pathway here to making things better um and I had always said like like the idea that I would ever be in a party that would go in with Finnegale is just crazy to me yeah. um and so I they joined the program for government and I left a few weeks later. Like I had to do a few things like the Mayo branch, you know, had really done loads for me and kind of only really got off its feet in the last year. Um, mm-hmm. And so I had to, you know, like say goodbye and say, say, all right, thanks. Now that you've all joined six months ago, I'm leaving. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I did wait to send in my ballot for Catherine Martin. Now I don't know, I don't know would it have made much difference, um, but I felt well. I'm in it now, and I registered mm-hmm. for a ballot, like, and it was just I had to wait until the ballot was confirmed, and then I, I was going to leave because you know, the program for even, what I was surprised about the program for government was, I expected Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael to at least lie about what they'd give the Greens, um, mm-hmm. and. Like I was planning my argument to be like, we can't trust them. We can't trust them. But they were like, oh, yes, we'll give you absolutely nothing. And mm-hmm. some people in the Greens were like, oh, this looks good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I was like, lads, you know, the, the program for government is the kind of the big outline of the maximum you can expect to achieve. Because there was a lot of argument within the party. Mm-hmm. Or there was a lot of, um, oh, well, we'll be at the table. And I'm like, yeah, but you won't be voting any differently or bringing forward any legislation you'll be at the table and while while you might be you know an opposition in your heart you still are voting mm-hmm. alongside the government so it was kind of this uh-huh. this like Leo Varadkar is being a better opposition from within than some of the mm-hmm. greens um and so yeah I'm, I'm I'm glad I left I suppose I was also sickened looking at the amount of like really great people and Mm-hmm. the amount of energy and time and effort and hours work that have been put in both before the, you know before the program for government and after that and and even during the general election in terms of like people who really believed in something good um 
And they just spent hours of their life putting energy into this party, which in the very end of it, the parliamentary party doesn't listen to the policy council. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it's almost like, what's the point? If, if, our, if our own policies aren't being listened to, then, you know, Mm-hmm. Like how much? How much more can you? Do you need to be told that it doesn't actually matter what you do if you're not elected? Yeah. So like, we we um we were listening to our friends at Echo Chamber when you were on their podcast as well. Um, and you're making kind of a few points, and I think you friends were saying of the show. That friends of friends our show, of the fellow <laughs> fellow professional podcasters. Um, Subscribe to his Patreon. Uh, he kill us if listeners. he didn't say it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But like it was also in your Twitter three or thread when you first left or whatever, you were kind of saying that you, you don't think that like electoral politics is the way forward with the environmental cause and stuff like that. Has that changed at all since you've been out? And are you thinking more about it? Or did you appreciate the headlines all being like, uh, yeah, there were so many headlines. Where it was like failed election candidate denounces democracy. Honest <laughs> to God, I was a bit embarrassed for oh, some no. of them. Um, I think it was, um, his name was Ronan McGreevy. Um, I think he writes for the Times on like historian something or other. But he quote tweeted one of my tweets saying not elected. Mm. And I have to fight the will. I have to fight the urge to do that to all of his tweets now. <laughs> Just be like, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. You're talking about like the Shelburne Ronan, but you weren't elected, were you? <laughs> um, and like, some of them, I I was really, really surprised. What I did notice, though, is every single journalist who gave me shit about it was one I'd never spoken to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think maybe they have this idea of me that like, like even Hugh O'Connell defended me, <laughs> which I, I was I saw like, that. yeah, and I'm like, so every so that's what I, I did notice. Every single journalist I'd ever spoken to didn't go crazy like some of them were mm-hmm. absolutely out of control um and clearly you know can't read as well yeah. because <laughs> that's not what i said like these claims that i had i had said anything about democracy which i hadn't yeah yeah but, um, but they think democracy is elections yeah that's it if you're not interested in standing for elections you're not interested in democracy and like that's their main problem. That's why they didn't understand repeal. It's why they didn't understand the water yeah. charges because they're sitting there in the doll thinking that like democracy is unfolding before their eyes and nothing else that happens <laughs> is, is democracy. Laughable. Yeah, and I, I think it was quite insulting to a lot of people. Like I think a lot of people, especially around who'd been heavily involved in repeal um, <laughs> because there's so many people who, you know, became first time activists in repeal. I think, you know, it, it was quite an insult to them. It was quite an insult to, you know, thousands of people in the country. Um, but like on that, you know, I do think, yeah, like, you know, we can have a a government. Obviously, I think in the ideal world, we wouldn't. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying, you know, that all engagement in electoral politics is futile. Um, I was saying it specifically in the context of the fact that 12 green TDs in between a fall and Fine Gael May as well yeah. be zero mm-hmm. green TDs. Um, mm-hmm. And in terms of the environmental movement, I do feel that there needs to be massive, you know, massive work on the ground done because 
our government tends to be so conservative. Like it tends to lag years behind mm. the population, I believe. Um, and it, it won't change unless it's forced to. And I think especially around climate change, because you're dealing with such massive money. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be one of the hardest things to to change. Like you can't get, like a government can say, okay, well, look, we gave the people repeal or we gave them marriage equality because it doesn't require a fundamental restructuring of of everything, including the government itself. Um, mm-hmm. So, but the you know, I'm change. Yeah, it's a much different story. Yeah, it's it's hugely different. Um, it's worth trillions and trillions of dollars worldwide for like the most powerful companies in the world. Like that's that's what you're up against. They have to not burn their assets, like, and their assets have to be reduced to zero in terms of value. Like mm-hmm. that's it's at the very core of global capitalism. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's not some like exactly it's not something where they can just give it to you to make you go away. Like it's it's a fight for power. Either those people remain in power and the world is destroyed, or ordinary people take control. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the two choices like they yeah. really are and such like a massive challenge like that like it needs people who are engaged in electoral politics it needs people who are not engaged in electoral politics you know what I mean it can't just be one right way or whatever it needs to be like everyone like we all need to be working together on this like you know um, and I think that's what people are missing as well like oh like Sirius McHugh's out of the Greens like hates democracy you know what I mean it's like well it, it doesn't matter really like you know if we're all fighting for that goal like the total changing of society to like base around humans and ecological purposes or whatever doesn't really matter what group you're in if we're all working together to do it you know like a broad left group like dsa in the us or whatever you know i think like that's where the priority needs to be now for um eco-socialists and stuff like that um it's also the case with like um obviously something that's been massively in the news recently is like the far right um it also needs that kind of united movement a united force kind of fighting them it's not going to work if we're going to be all split up or whatever but um yeah the rally is going to be happening this weekend isn't it the in dublin um and i hear paul you have been added to a list and you have been doxxed fully i how are you feeling about this well, the 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 so-called yellow vests they uh they launched a thing to say paul murphy must must resign and they asked people to share it. Two hundred and something people shared it, and then they were like, "Yes, enough." And most people, I think, I saw a comment saying, "Most people in who voted for Paul now want him to resign. He must resign." <laughs> um, Why? But, but I, I do think, um, what I, I, I because I um, debunked, in my opinion, um, or he certainly gave out, even in their opinion, about. I don't know if you saw the latest Ben Gilroy video from a few days oh, ago, yeah. um, where oh. he. You know, his, his line is 100 people died of COVID only and basically saying the lives of, what, 1,650 other people who died because they had underlying conditions, like a third of the Irish population or like over like a majority of over 50s, that basically their lives don't matter. And it's it's very clear what they're saying is the whole thing is like a pandemic or a scandemic <laughs> and all this kind of conspiracy nonsense. And so I spoke about it in the doll. I said it was nonsense. Um, and it was in the context of a bill actually about some of the of a, of a motion or yeah motion about some of the measures and so like we we vote you know against giving the state extra criminal uh, extra power imposing criminal sanctions this stuff doesn't work so on the one hand we're doing that but on the other hand asking people not to believe this nonsense um, and to engage in social distancing and to wear masks where people can wear masks 
Um, because it's the right thing to do and it's a collective action of solidarity with each other and it's the way to protect older people, to protect vulnerable people, protect people with underlying conditions and to protect workers. Um, but I, I do think, I think because people are, um, people are scared, people are worried, mm -hmm. people are confused by the government messaging, I do think there is an opening. Like there's a reason that that video went as viral as it went and I think we need to, we need to tackle it. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like, people hate this fucking government, like, you know, so therefore people naturally don't trust mm -hmm. them, therefore people, uh, like, Eva was up getting our, up with the hairdressers earlier on today, and the person cutting our hair was like, I don't think they're telling us the full truth, you know, mm -hmm. um, that the government aren't, and like, if you look how they're changing their messaging, but mm -hmm. I think this crap that Gilroy is coming out with, like, so like, the figures are published, like, regularly, they could be published every day, they're published at least once a week, and they're like... New figures published. We just by, found these figures. You know, we found them, like, you know. Yeah. And it's, like, so thick, like. It's, like, whatever conspiracy theory comes up in the US, it's, mm -hmm. like, there's a time lag. Like, they can't just yeah. see it happen in real time on the internet. It takes about two weeks for them to go, hang on. <laughs> hang yeah. on. The HSE might have similar figures. And then he turns up outside the fucking journal office with a megaphone roaring his head off. Like, did he have his, did he have to, his pearl with him, or did he leave nah, that? He, he's an idiot. Like, people <laughs> just need to look at it. Like, he's gone around, like, for, like, years, he's been going around saying he's the new land league. Right, uh -huh. he stopped. He's been banned from bringing court cases because he brings such stupid, absolute rubbish that they're just like you're fucking wasting our time. He's mm -hmm. going around advising people like who are losing their house, coming up mm -hmm. with all this stuff. Say your name's not really Dave Murphy, you're Dave of the fucking family Murphy. He's just coming out with the fucking. The fucking is vital without the fucking. <laughs> like, coming around with absolute bullshit, like like I'm preying on people who are like losing their homes. The guy is an absolute charlatan, mm -hmm. and like the idea, like. That that's who you'd look to in a time like this. No matter what doubts you have about the government, no matter like even if people do have doubts about like the seriousness of COVID, like you know the second wave, like at the minute it, they're saying it's not as deadly or it's not killing as many people, and that could just be a time lag with, um, where it's mm -hmm. going, where it's going. Do you idea that Ben Gilroy has fucking cracked it? Like you know, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like Ben fucking Gilroy. But it's a sign of the times that, like, some people do think Ben Gilroy has cracked it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I, I'm messaged by people, and it's a combination of people. I mean, some of the people who say, I used to support you, but now you go to their profile. I went to their profile some guy. It was an American flag with an eagle in the middle and, like, a profile which includes, like, Q and a Christian oh, yeah. and Trump. And obviously they never voted for the left. But there are some genuine people who, because they're scared and because they don't trust the government, are open to this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like... I think you need an analysis that, like, why is the government advice so inconsistent? And the government advice is actually inconsistent because they take the public health advice and then they kind of run it through a system of balancing it with private profit, with the private profit of uh, meat factory owners, the private profit of publicans, and then airlines. they kind of give in to private sector lobbying, airlines, exactly. And then they give in to this and that, and it means then it is inconsistent. But the point is, like, who benefits from this COVID conspiracy stuff? Like, if, if this people, this stuff took, like, a mass character and the majority of people believed it, well, then what would happen is the government would, would concede to the pressure, would, like, quote-unquote, reopen the economy, and workers would die as a consequence, but uh, me factories would, factory owners would be happy because they maximise their profits, publicans would mm -hmm. be happy, uh, and airlines would be happy. Like, yep. objectively, this stuff benefits, actually, the rich in this country, not ordinary workers. And, like, look, there's, like, I've on Twitter and Facebook everyone was like that like we're saying like well there's far right elements or involved in organising these protests and we're saying oppose the far right and then it's like 
people say, I'm not far right. Us far yeah. right. You know, and it's like that because these like there's a vacuum where these are the people who are calling protests in it. Um and therefore people view it as these are the only people standing up against the government, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And like I think if you think back like when Fianna Fáil were in government crashing the economy and inflicting austerity, Fine Gael were in opposition and criticising them. But were you standing with Fine Gael? No, you weren't, because you knew what they stood for, like, you know, yeah. and people need to look at, like, well, what do the people who are organising this stuff actually stand for? And, like, the people who are, like, behind it are, like, they're dressing up what they actually mean, uh, but, like, they're part of, like, far-right parties. Um, yeah. And it's just, like, like if you even look at the... I went down the rabbit hole for, like, the last 10 days on QAnon, <laughs> um, and like if you there, there's a couple Sleeper of articles Agent Dave activated oh, no, you, I, I've been living it like, <laughs> they so, convince you so uh, uh, they're not friends of the podcast yet but there's a podcast called uh, QAnon Anonymous <laughs> and like they, they, they've been following it in real time for like the last two years you know so when stuff happens like when the Save the Children March happened like so they'd sent reporters to them already but like there's other you like, better explain what QAnon is for our average listener so, by so, the way so, yeah so so well just so, like, over a the last brief, couple of a weeks, then... A brief synopsis, maybe. No, don't Q- go mad into it. QAnon is QAnon. We should do it, because I've... I've Marxist like, analysis. Like, literally, like, I've done no work for the last 10 days. I've been sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously. Um, so, like, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a conspiracy theory based... Like, so it's basically every conspiracy theory that's ever existed rolled into one mm. um, based around like um, the idea that there's a global cabal and you have to call them a cabal um, <laughs> who are based like all linked to George Soros the Democratic Party um, who um, like are a major international paedophile ring they take children they scare the life out of them um, they take uh, ad- adrenochrome I think it's called like is yeah. this um, mm-hmm. yeah. like adrenaline that's like created and then they eat it's created that from children from in fear or something. Fear, yeah. yeah. So they take they take that to keep them ever youthful. And um, wait even a second, like, wasn't that wasn't that the Monsters Inc. premise? Yeah, yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. So yeah, yeah, screams, D- yeah. Disney and Pixar are part of this. So like if okay. you go through uh so Monsters Inc. is like on the uh, then in um the, the Little Mermaid or something like that. It's like uh I think it's like whatever way some character is drawn. Or there's like a, a castle in the background that has like a phallic, <laughs> a phallic symbol on it, and this is all like Disney like f- like pumping out stuff like because they want to corrupt the kids, um. But like its whole goal is that uh, Donald Trump is the one person. Like so, yeah. the deep state are trying to stop Donald Trump, and Donald Trump is this one person. Waiting an everyone. international fucking crusade to uh, defeat these people, and like in the last few weeks, like so, it starts on eight chan. They uncovered the guy behind eight chan who was like apparently Q. So Q is this like fella who's Is it 8chan or is it 4chan? No, it's gone to 8chan, 8chan now. So yeah, so so behind. <laughs> Q Q like the the letter Q is like is a, a level in it's supposed to be in US like security in the state, but apparently it's uh, in the US energy sector. So like he didn't even get that right like, you know. Um but like there's been like like FBI and on like people like posing yeah, as yeah. like these people like exposing it. Um, but then today there was an article by a group called Logically.ai and they've exposed another person. So, like, most people don't get their QAnon shit from uh, a They go to, like, different websites. So there's this guy who's been, like, like getting all the information together uh, on a website called, uh, I think it's QAnon Map or something. But this guy's been exposed. Like, this is, like, the Bible for all these people where they go to get their information. But he's been exposed as, like, an executive of Citibank in America, mm. like, you know, 
from New Jersey, like, and they've named them and all. Like, so you have like this, like this, like wow. executive in a bank, r- like being a major player in a global conspiracy. That's all to aid a billionaire getting re-elected as you know, like the president of the United States, so that like he can funnel more money to banks and give tax cuts to the rich. Like, mm-hmm. I, like it has to be a major like. Like absolute you, scam. Like I think it's just gonna get worse over the next like six weeks till the American election because like yeah, it's just gonna go into overdrive. Like you know, but like yeah, and like this is the point. Like who, who's organizing these rallies or whatever? Like same with the one in Berlin. You know, I saw there was like people had uh, QAnon and then like the SS symbol on their t-shirts and stuff like that. You know, and like it's huge. It's absolutely massive. I see people all the. Uh, if for listeners who don't know, I've recently moved to Berlin. Um, so yeah, the most recent rally here, they wanted 2 million people and it was supposedly going to be the biggest Nazi rally since the end of World War II. Um, it was 200,000, which is quite oh, a lot. But hell. again, it was like, so people had come from all over Germany for this rally. It wasn't just Berlin. Um, but again, people were posting, you know, I'm going because I don't believe in COVID. I'm, I'm not a Nazi. It's like, uh-huh. with, you march with Nazis. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it's kind of hard to distinguish who's who. Um, and like, yeah, it was full of people. Like I said, Q t-shirts. I was like, uh, like there was like swastikas with like the Q around it and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, it's like pretty scary stuff. And like, again, it like it ties into what we're talking about, about climate change and like the struggle that's going to um, be facing us more and more in the future. Like, you know, climate refugees and stuff like this. And there's going to be a lot of like, racism around that as well and like these people are getting emboldened now with covid and stuff like that mm-hmm. and like if we don't stand up to them with this like broad left we're talking about you know there's it's going to get worse and worse um and as things get worse in terms of climate it's going to get worse in terms of this like you know eco-fascism people call it sometimes as well and kind of like you know well we're okay here in ireland or wherever you know um doesn't matter about the rest of the world sort of thing you know that sort of mentality about uh climate change or whatever so yeah um again it needs that kind of like it's there needs to be a space for like people of all different political angles on the left you know what i mean coming together to fight them because they're a bit it's a big challenge you know it's gonna get worse like i I think we also one of the things we need to do um by building a mass socialist left is to engage with people's alienation Mm -hmm. and people's anger and distrust about the government but actually speak the truth about what the relationship is, where power actually lies, etc. So it, it isn't that George Soros is pulling all the strings and whatever, and Q or well, no, Q is Q is a good guy. I don't know, but it, it isn't that. Like that's that's a narrative that explains things for people, but it's a false narrative. But it, it's actually much simpler. Like Larry Goodman, you know, Larry Goodman's an enormously powerful individual who owns the meat factories, who owns private hospitals. And the political parties represent the interests of Larry Goodman and people like him. So giving like an alternative narrative of people that actually points anger at like the capitalist class as opposed to migrants or as opposed to people who are wearing masks or as opposed to scientists or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like is that's a very important thing, is like we do like people are angry for good reasons, but we need to point that anger in the right direction that actually means that stops things getting worse because that's that's like the direction of these far right movements like you know what i mean these people come to demo yeah people don't start out being far right i mean people go to left-wing demos you know what i mean don't go don't go with some yeah. worldview which is fully socialist or whatever but obviously socialists are there and talking to people and are trying to convince people of that worldview because it flows from their action that well you're protesting against this and you know this is linked into a global system and this is why you should be a socialist 
but the far right, like, that's why they just take up whatever issue. They don't care. Like, yeah. they're not particularly bothered about any. It's just they know they can mobilize people around these issues right now, and that's a recruiting pool for them. So I think, like, united front, broad demonstrations to stop the far right, uh, combined with building, you know, a, a mass left alternative is what we got to be doing. Um, no, I was just going to say on what Paul was saying, I think I think that is really important offering an alternative narrative because, mm-hmm. you know, whether they go down a far right rabbit hole or not, people do feel like you're only going to go down these rabbit holes if they make sense of something you already feel. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think it's enough to say that's not true. That's not true. Because I mm-hmm. like if you look at the right in Ireland, like they've been working hard for years with these like like Ben Gilroy has been around for years trying to gain traction and a lot of Mm -hmm. them have and it's finally and I think COVID's done really well for them they've finally started to gain traction but they've created all these tiny little communities and they give people a sense of purpose and a sense of knowing something and being involved and maybe giving them a sense of power Um, and I think we have to offer an alternative feeling of power Mm-hmm. And an alternative um, community and something to be involved in, like more than just don't be out marching with the the neo Nazis. It has mm-hmm. to be also like come yeah. march with us. Um, mm-hmm. And it, I I do think housing is a really interesting way or a really interesting one to do that around because I do think the language around housing is stacked in favor of the left, like mm-hmm. especially things like vulture funds and even banks. They're, you know, they're so easy. Everyone. Everyone knows what a bank is. Everyone knows that vulture fund doesn't sound good. Everyone knows that evictions are are nasty things. And I think housing is is one area where it'll be it'll, it's easier for the left to gain ground because mm-hmm. and especially because you you can see all these empty houses around you, like other things like migrants coming in or you know the U.S. military using Shannon or you know even. Um, even things like climate change, it's not they're not as immediate as things like housing. So I think that's, yeah, I just think that's a real strong card that the left have. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, you always hear the phrase said, you know, keep everyone's kind of like a few bad decisions or a few, not their bad decisions, but, you know, a few things happening to them away from being homeless or whatever. So it is like a thing people can very clearly see it could happen to them, it could happen to anyone they know, whatever, you know. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, One thing, sorry, is that like, the far right don't have any compunction about protesting during coronavirus because they don't care about coronavirus. They don't believe in it. You know what I mean? It's part of their thing. And like, in a way, they're stepping into a space of those people who are angry and concerned and want to do stuff. Whereas the left, rightly, is much more responsible about it. And more. And the people who look to the left themselves personally are like taking precautions, etc. Which I think like that's created a like a problem in a way in terms of like mobilizing around housing. Cause I agree with like the most obvious movement that could exist right now is a movement around housing. Um, and there has been demos, but they haven't been that big mm-hmm. and partly because those kind of people are, you know, rightly concerned or whatever. So I think like one of the challenges is to actually make like defend the right to protest in a real way and to outline how you can protest in safe, socially distanced way with masks and actually people being like properly distanced from each other and to demonstrate that it can be done. Mm-hmm. Like the Debenhams workers we're doing it. I mean, Black Lives Matter in the US, they, they had no choice but to explode onto the streets in a movement at the height of the pandemic. Yeah. And and they generally took quite a lot of precautions and stuff. And I think 
like we kind of have to emphasize those things so people do feel comfortable because we're the ones who are concerned about society about not you know about collective action about doing the right thing by each other but it means that the right are just like taking the space of street mobilizations mm-hmm. at the moment mm-hmm. i think it's well like what you're saying there Susha, about like the power or whatever that we need to show that people have you know what i mean on the left and stuff like that i think like that encapsulates a lot of things really do you know what i mean because yes housing like we're seeing like movements like you know katu or whatever like these housing unions popping up and they're actually like physically stopping evictions happening who are people are in their union with them you know what i mean so that that's an example of like power that you know ordinary people have and then like it, it needs to be bigger than that as well then i guess you know it needs to be like even broader and so then you bring on like trade unions you know so people in their workplace feel like they have the power to control what happens to them and what happens to their lives or whatever and then eventually you do build it up to people say you know why don't we run society we're the ones that do the work in it you know what i mean and that's like that idea of like convincing people of the power they have because i think like that's what capitalism does it just breaks people's sense of like control that they have on their lives down more and more do you know what i mean and like trying to build that up or whatever and i think like that's where it comes from like you know that we're talking about like the broad left or whatever and different groupings and stuff like that has to be like multi-layered and stuff you know and on that note um i think we're gonna have to wrap it up for this evening um for the last ever left inside last ever left inside get excited for rupture apart from next week's well, yes, this is we're gonna have it's a, not, it's not a panel, but that's gonna be an interview. Um, so that's not gonna be one of our special panels, which you know is the best part of the podcast, obviously, Paul. <laughs> obviously. Um, so yeah, thank you to everyone for listening. Do keep an eye out. We're gonna be posting on Facebook about the relaunch and Twitter and everything like that. So do keep an eye out there. Um, also, I'm sure people are following the Debenhams workers' struggle at the moment, and it's really heating up with the occupations that happened in Cork and Dublin, stuff like that. Um, they currently have a uh, Google Doc that if you can give any time at all to stand on the pickets with them, they need more bodies to make sure that the stock isn't removed from the shops. So we're going to link that in the bio or of this episode. Um, so please do sign up if you have even a spare afternoon, evening, morning to give. They would very much appreciate all the solidarity they can get at the moment. Um, so yeah, did we answer the question of what do we do about saving the world? I've I think we got fairly close. <laughs> um, thank you again, Sirsha, for coming on. Thanks for having me. And it was great to have you. And maybe you'll be back on Rupture Radio in the future. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And we'll be back again next week. Bye. Bye. Bye, Dave. I'll say bye, Dave. <laughs> <laughs>